Hello from Sal's famous pizzeria on Amity Island in Burbank, California. This is the Film vs. Film podcast, where we pit two movies against each other to determine which is better according to a specific prompt. If anyone can guess the prompt off of the, that intro, uh, you win a million dollars. But I am your host, Quim Boys. I have seen over uh, about a dozen and a half movies in my life, and all during the summertime. And I am joined, as always, by... My host, my co-host, and I, I'm going to guess, Leonard, you were born in the dead of winter, just based on your emo temperament sometimes. Leonard Smith Jr. Yes, I was born in the winter, and... I knew it. It's way too fucking hot right now. I'm, I just got out of the shower. I have lost copious amounts of liquid. I am dehydrated, and it's tough. And uh, you know what that means? That means it's summertime, and we have a very special guest with us today to talk about some movies. And uh, his name is Jeremy Olsen. What's up, Jeremy? Yo, what's up? Jeremy, thank you for being on the I am podcast. Here. Can you see me? Can I see you? <laughs> That's the truth, Ruth. I don't know the lines exactly. <laughs> oh. We can see you. As long as everyone can hear you, it's an audio medium. An audio media. An audible media. <laughs> this is going great. Uh, we are talking about summer movies this week. If you gleaned that from the stuff we were talking about up top, congratulations. Um because this is the guys, this is the Memorial Day weekend episode. This is the official kickoff to summer, and so what better time to talk about summer movies? I think we all have maybe, uh, judging by my pick and Leonard's, different ideas of what a summer movie is and what summer movies mean. But uh, nevertheless, I mean, summer is, I think, like when you think about movie going, getting out of the heat, getting into a uh, nice air-conditioned theater or even just watching something at home. Um, summer is, I feel like, the prime movie-going season. I could be wrong about that. Award season tends to be in the winter. But, Leonard, how many awards movies have we talked about on this podcast? Has it I, been one? I think maybe two. <laughs> yeah, by accident. Um, <laughs> yeah, by accident. <laughs> but uh, so we, we are big summertime movie guys, and uh, we'll get into the picks in a minute. But I kind of wanted to talk more about the prompt Jeremy, um, we kind of like talked this one through. We were thinking of like strategically for Memorial Day weekend, but when we landed on summer movies, I'm curious what what do summer movies mean to you? And then we'll we'll talk about this the picks specifically. It's completely kind of what you just said. I feel like movie going time is the summertime. That feels like when all the movies that you know you're really excited about, all the hype movies are coming out, and then even like I mean even like growing up. Like we would go like to the drive-in movies. We had like a drive-in theater up where I grew up and they would show movies. You can't show them during the winter. Yeah. They might, it might rain. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel like there were a lot of like summer centric activities, like especially for a dude who'd be growing up in church, church time activities. They love to show movies. That's like an easy thing. <laughs> That they can organize. That's pretty non-threatening, depending oh, on. Oh, so movie. you've seen my movie uh, dozens of times. <laughs> yeah, especially, especially in evangelical white church. <laughs> this is a statement. It's right before uh, Pee Wee gets a circumcision. Um, what is that? A, that's probably not real. Uh, what What is like? Because I feel like you're saying, yeah, I, I, I did not grow up going to church, but I did go to the Y and like the YMCA summer camp. It's the young men. Christian Association. They distance themselves from the C and YMCA, but they show a lot of movies and, and they take us movies. But the the thing that feels risky about that, 
like if you're in a kid's summer camp or at a church function, is that movies can veer into, uh, I guess you might say, inappropriate territory real quick. So I would think it's a dicey. Oh, yeah. If you're a pastor, you're not going to be picking movies at random. You have to know what you're picking. Yeah, no, they got to be vetted. They got to be well vetted. I remember we for like one like youth group like movie watching event like our pastor picked uh saw or um signs i thought you were gonna say saw i thought you were gonna say saw and i'm like he knew exactly what he was doing (laughs) i almost did i didn't i messed that up but we watched signs and signs is a totally fine movie you know we've discussed it on this podcast actually leonard i I picked starring starring uber christian mel gibson (laughs) yes Uh, so i mean you can't go wrong right (laughs) that's right that's what you would think yeah but by the end of it there were like many people visibly shook like you know conservative sheltered ass kids were shook by the end they of this were like, movie wait there could and be more out there there might be <laughs> yeah if you if you're watching a movie and uh, for a bunch of people who believe unfailingly in the lord and this movie is positing that there are aliens out there i feel like that's a kind of an odd pick see that's what i mean you can stumble on the wrong movie to pick that movie disproves god as we conceive of him <laughs> if you were to take it at its at face value so that guy fucked yeah, up. Yeah, it's literal truth. It doesn't say God's created, God created aliens. Mm-hmm. Like that's not in there. <laughs> God created man. Shook man. It man only in his own. What image. if God is the alien? Like little kids are probably shook, man. See, these are questions that the church does not want you asking coming out of science. Because like, yeah, they don't want to talk about he, it. They just don't want to even. Did he get moved it. to another church? <laughs> did the <laughs> event. You're saying did they give him the uh, naughty priest thing where they just shuffle them to another town. Is that naughty right. priest is also the kindest possible way to talk about <laughs> what these guys are doing. Um, uh, that would be funny if they like kicked him out of the church, but if you molested a kid, they just move you three towns. Over. <laughs> uh, what's funny about this prompt was we kind of had short notice uh, for picking these. Normally we have a little bit more time and it was kind of tough for me to make a choice. And I feel like after I had already put my pick in, I didn't even really think about, I was like, I should have probably picked like independence day, like a movie that was, that came out in the middle of summer. That's just a huge blockbuster. It doesn't necessarily have to be about summer. And I was like, I would have automatically won the episode if I would have chose. It's also independence day, middle of the fucking summer, like July 4th. It's in the name, but anyways, you know, another, you know another movie. We haven't started talking. I'm just no, surprised sorry, that Quinn didn't choose Independence Day or Wet Hot American Summer. Those are the. Uh, I the, came somewhat close to picking Wet Hot American Summer. I didn't pick Independence Day because I don't have a relationship with that movie. But let's talk about the movies we did pick. Leonard, does it make more sense for you to reveal your pick first or for mine? Because they are two very different movies. And I feel like. I feel like not many people have picked either one of these movies. I, I, did, I disagree about my own pick, but okay. I, so well, why then don't let's you go give, with yours. Okay. I picked the movie that birthed the summer blockbuster. I picked. I, I knew and, that was going to be your argument, and also well, it's not my argument; it's a fact. I mean, it, it's part of my overall argument, but it's a fact. He it's did break the rules upon. for this yes. episode, and I allowed it. But anyways. I broke glass in case of emergency, Jeremy. Um, for those who listen to this podcast, uh, we will occasionally mention. Leonard and I do not acknowledge films released before 1984. It's just not. We just don't. <laughs> We can't go back that far. Too many movies have been made. you got to cut them off at some point. So there was an unofficial rule uh, that we had. I I am down. I'm also going to reveal this, Leonard. I am down four to one in this best of nine season series to uh, pick movies. I have had a 
harsh string of luck picking movies. Don't so let I that sway you, Jeremy. Do not let that sway you. Or do, <laughs> but I've had a, I've had a tough time of it, and so I was getting pretty desperate. And when we got this prompt, I was thinking about a number of things. I did think about Wet Hot American Summer. I thought about a lot of like popular summer blockbusters from my childhood. But then I was like, I kept coming back to, I think, and I hope to prove, the quintessential summer movie, the movie that kicked off summer blockbusters. And so I had to dip about a decade earlier. I chose the 1975, it's my second shark movie of this season, by the way, the 1975 Steven Spielberg classic, Jaws. And that's the pick. Everyone's seen Jaws. If you haven't seen Jaws, go watch Jaws. It's the perfect time. It's summer for it. Small local police chief of Amity Island encounters shark attacks on the beach during the 4th of July, Leonard, Independence Day. Uh, and uh, he's got to solve it. It is a monster movie. It's a movie about family. It's a, it's, you could call it a hormone. You could classify it a lot of different ways. Quinn has a fetish a, for things sinking in oceans. I'm just going to say that. I do. It's Titanic, I've, I've gotten, Deep Blue Sea. What was the other Jaws. movie? <laughs> I've gotten in deep water what before. Was the other shark movie? Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> that was a I totally see. different prompt. <laughs> Obviously. Um, and uh, But this, is, this movie can be classified, I think, a lot of different ways. But I think it is undeniably a summer movie. I think it is the summer movie. I think if you haven't seen it, I would just as easily sum it up as three guys in a boat got to go kill a shark on the fourth you know and and it is uh it's it's close to a perfect movie too i i, I we can get more into it but leonard i don't know if you want to talk about your pick because it is quite okay different. yes and i believe you made your pick before mine at like that happens like 90 percent of the time and i was really struggling with this pick and i kind of wanted to go with the movie good burger because like it was just a movie i loved as a kid it just like it's happiness. It's like I feel like my summer experience is like I never have I never went to camp. So there was like my summer experience is like I gotta make the best with what I have living with a single parent. I'm gonna just go out and do what I want and try to figure it out and have just have fun. And that's his plan. But then I was like, You chose Jaws and it's so fucking good and I was like, All right, I gotta choose something that's capable of beating this and I chose, which I don't think anybody would really choose, Do the Right Thing. And this is a very summer-centric movie as well. It just it's the it's the other side of summer that you don't see. It's these people who necessarily can't go to, on vacation, can't go to camp. And you know, they live in New York where the life in New York City is you live on your block and you're seeing everybody's day or two on this block on a hot ass summer day and they say people get crazy when it gets hot. And uh Man, it's a it's a heavy movie. Uh, it's a well done movie, um, and uh, I just feel like it. The whole vibe is summer vibes, and then after the last summer we just had, it feels real right. It feels real right. Yeah. So yes, definitely extreme ahead of its time. Or actually, I think it's just perpetually always exactly. In, in its yeah. time. When is this issue? Yeah, ever not in its time? <laughs> How did you feel when uh, we gave you these choices? Well, I had, um, I've seen Jaws a bunch of times. It's like, it's definitely a summer movie feeling movie for me. And I feel like probably last time I saw it was last summer. So I felt like, oh yeah, great. This is like right on brand for the prompt. And I had never seen Do the Right Thing. 
Um, and so I was excited to watch it for the first time. Yeah, Quinn, had you seen uh, it? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'll cop to that too. We, 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 have, <laughs> we have the white co-host and our white guest right. on the podcast. That's right. Neither of us have we seen are. Do the Right Thing. We should get that out right away. <laughs> Leonard is laughing at that's, us. Uh, that's just the truth. <laughs> oh, that's great. No yeah. shockers there. <laughs> Neither I, of us have seen it. You know, it. I had seen it when I was younger and passing, and you know, I never really paid attention to it. Obviously, I watched it as an adult, and then – the past I, I know I recently watched it like a few months ago maybe like maybe I watched it last summer as well but you know it just every time you watch it it's just like damn man there's a lot uh, a lot going on I feel like because my roommate watching with me today he had never seen it and uh, so I can we it. just ask for the sake of this blind service your roommate is white yes Yes. yes, so there's uh, three white a, people now involved on, in this podcast who have not seen this. He's been a guest on this podcast, Austin Christ. We got to get Chris Eddins on this podcast to yell at us for not having seen That's going to be your punishment. Feels <laughs> Chris is just going to yell at you for an hour while you watch uh, Malcolm X. <laughs> three hours. Okay. No, the whole three hours of Malcolm X. Chris is just going to yell at you. That's <laughs> right. On some level, I deserve it. I appreciate you already taking your victory lap, Leonard. You haven't won shit yet. I know. I know. I'm honestly worried about you going on a run. But anyways, um, Jaws, fuck, man. Jaws... <laughs> Jaws was so goddamn good. The writing. You've seen Jaws low, Leonard, right? I mean, that's. Yeah, but that's like not... I watched it on TV as a kid. It like was so slow moving as a kid that. The shark it, or the movie? The whole. The movie as a child, it seems. <laughs> yeah, the shark and the movie. The, the shark wouldn't move at all sometimes. I feel like I remember being. It occasionally goes so slow. <laughs> it felt like, honestly, it felt like the first time I had watched it because every time I remember watching it being like, where the fuck is this shark at? When I was a kid, it was like always, <laughs> I always like turned on the TV when I like never like owned a copy of it. It was always like I turn on the TV and it's just a bunch of people like, oh, I don't know. We uh, we got to open the beaches back up. And I'm like, what is happening? But uh, watching it as an adult and like, really, dude, it's fucking spectacular. The shots are amazing. The writing is amazing. I was fucking terrified a couple times there. It was dope. It's I mean, you know, it's a kind of like, it's it's the perfect summer movie. I'm not gonna make you know, and maybe this supports the argument. Maybe it doesn't. You could you could argue it's almost in its own way an anti-summer movie because yeah. that movie Jaws makes me. I have never not gone in the ocean. Never not. Let me let me reverse that double negative. There's been no time since I've seen Jaws that I've been in the ocean and have not thought about Jaws. You know what I mean? I'm not actively afraid every time I go in the ocean, but it's always in the back of my mind. That poster <laughs> He's out there. with the girl swimming unbeknownst to her on along the top of the water and then just jaws right up below her ready to just cut her in half. It's terrifying and it's affected like American the collective American conscious, probably globally, a conscious well, of just going in the water. Honestly, I feel like Jeremy probably watches movie a lot of times at uh Bible camp or whatever because at <laughs> oh, the beginning yeah. you see the shy little girl being a, a nice young lady and then as soon as she gets naked and wants to have sex, bow, dead. That's what happens when you have premarital well, sex. That's what happens. Yeah, exactly. And that don't, kid don't be sinning in the ocean like that. That kid on his floaty <laughs> when they're all on the beach later, you know he was sinning. They don't tell you how, but yeah, he, was he, probably, was, he was stole sinning. money from was, his mom's purse or something. There's a deleted scene. Uh, he was diddling himself under the water. You, you couldn't see it. The cameras couldn't catch it, but we know what he's up we to. Knew what he wanted to do out there. Uh, I mean, yeah. I feel like some. Of have the, you seen? By the way, wait. Have you seen? By like they have. 
speaking of like jaws going in the water like how it freaks you out you know psychologically now they have i've seen like mo- like outdoor movies where they have a big screen like like on a you know a body of water yes. and they have like inner tube floaties that you watch jaws on at nighttime yes. The, I think the Alamo Draft House or something used to do, and maybe others as well, used to do screenings of like you're in a, yeah, yeah. you're, it's, I don't know if they're on a lake or what. I've never been to one, but you're on a large body of water in floaties and they project the movie on the screen. Not for a million dollars. In fact, that's Leonard's I, I punishment. Do Leonard, you have to watch Jaws at night in the ocean on a floaty. Uh, uh, it's when you terrifying. Lose. What's always funny, it's funny, it's always stuck with me, uh, RIP to my uncle, but I remember as a kid, my mom and like my uncle talking about uh, how he was terrified. I I did I remember watching Jaws like with my family at younger, but I wasn't paying attention. I was like eight or something, and my uh, mom being like making fun of my uncle because he was afraid to open his closet. As like a ten year old, he thought Jaws was in his closet. Like that's how like it didn't even make any logical that's- sense. But he was that afraid of Jaws that he thought he was. I I always thought it was so dumb that it still <laughs> stuck in my brain that my yeah, uncle that's- thought Jaws was gonna be in the closet and would kill him. That's the that's the you called it, Jeremy. That's the SNL Land Shark sketch. Have you ever seen those like old nineteen seventy five SNL Land Shark thing where they just the the shark is at the door? I think your uncle. That's I don't know Norm if he ever McDonald, saw Jaws, right? but is he definitely saw SNL. No, no, it's like. <laughs> Chevy Chase era like okay. it's uh it's like early early SNL okay. where they would just be like a knock at the door and then they'd start playing the theme and they'd be like who is it and they'd be like telegram and then they'd open the door <laughs> and it'd just be the shark head and it would eat somebody nice. so it's I don't know that that supports your uncle's being afraid of the <laughs> the shark in his closet but uh what would he do was he also terrified by movies about you know, like, was he terrified by Jason Voorhees, who is a land-based predator, or nah. was it just sharks? Wherever? I remember he loved it. I remember like watching it. He loved it. He loved the movie it. Yeah, we watched that. It was crazy. But Jaws, there's something. Your uncle's also very scared of two guys that seem particularly wild and crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> coneheads. Uh, I like to think that your uncle was afraid of Jaws when he was checking his closet, but when you guys were at the beach together, he was afraid of the clown from it. <laughs> He's just got it. My uncle didn't go to the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, watching it, man. The just first of all, just like how it was felt so real, and the mayor just being like, "Nah, man, we got to get this money. We got to open these beaches." (laughs) Yeah. Uh, your movie has a lot more relevance to today, Leonard, but I will say coming through a pandemic in which uh, a lot of people, certain sections of uh, the country and, and just, you know, we're just head down. I don't care how many people are getting sick. You're not going to stop me from going out and breathing God's air or whatever the justification yeah. was. And like, we will have the beaches open. Seems to have a kind of larger connection uh, to to the, the the past 12 months a little bit. I think we can tie it in a little bit, but... Uh, not quite. Yeah, so there's even that line where where he goes like, "You can either hire me for ten grand, or you can be on welfare through yeah. the winter." Like, wow, <laughs> dude. Okay, let's talk about that. First of all, this little boy just got eaten by a shark, right? And these motherfucking reporters and officials are all joking and laughing and shit, and just being like, "Oh, three thousand dollars, blah blah blah," and like talking about where they're gonna put the ad. It's like this little boy just lost his life, and they're all just yeah, no one not. No one says shit when his mom comes up dressed in all black. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody says nothing. Thing. And they're all just in this room. And then out of nowhere, he puts his fucking fingernails on the chalkboard. 
that Quint. fucking character, Quint. Holy shit! It was like, okay, this man is a crazy man. That whole scene was wild. And then when you get to them being on the boat and them like the camaraderie and they're like learning about each other and they're comparing the scars and then he tells that story and you're like, it all makes sense now. And then you're like, I love you, Quint. I feel so bad for you. Just have forever PTSD and you want to be murdered by a shark. It's obvious. Like he's like, I should have died in the water, but he doesn't say that. But I love the way he wraps up that story by saying we delivered the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a, it's like, it's really, it's obviously, it feels like one piece. Jaws is a very focused movie. It's the giant killer shark the whole time. There's not a subplot about like, you know, getting everyone to vote or something but what it, it is bisected pretty neatly of like the chaos going on around amity and then the second half of the movie the final half of the movie is just them three guys on a boat in the water and i don't think that works as well the whole movie or, or you yeah know, it doesn't really work if very the characters well aren't strong movie oh i think it does leonard but it doesn't work very well for <laughs> like if the characters aren't strong and you've got three great characters quint who we've talked about uh, Brody, of course, the chief. Brody, the chief of police, played by Robert Scheider, who's great, and uh, Richard Dreyfus, uh, who plays. Oh no, I'm forgetting. Uh, uh, fuck, 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 fuck. That's okay. I'll find it. <laughs> Mister, what does he say? Mister he- Hooper. 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 That's right, because yeah, Quint Hooper. is always telling. Always Hooper. shouting at yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there are three. You know, Hooper is like the kind of nerdy shark scientist guy, and Brody is sort of the everyman character, and Quint is just like a wackadoo uh, oh, who they justify with that fucked up story later. But they, the three of them, it's it's very entertaining. That like my favorite scene in the movie is that scene where they're comparing scars and sharing stories. And uh, uh, one thing you forgot to mention really is Brody uh, apparently like drowned as a kid and is afraid of water and lives on an island. And uh, what I loved about that comparing. Scar scenes is he's just over there taking it all in. He has no scars to show. He's like looking on his body for like a little scar or something. That's a great scene where he, you can, yeah, you can see he definitely has like some piddly scar with no cool story. And he's like, nah, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> Cause he's just like a very like run of the mill, simple, low key man. And like, I just thought it was interesting that he just like accepted that, watch them like have this moment. Yeah. And, and take it all in. It was it was cool. He knew they needed it more too. They had <laughs> yeah. they had some serious tension going on. They, <laughs> they needed, needed to figure that. it out. And then they all just start singing. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> well, I mean, you gotta have a, sh- a sea shanty in there. <laughs> That's you know, you gotta have a sea shanty in your shark movie. Um, Quint is looking for any reason to start singing. <laughs> any reason. Terrified, flooring a boat, making fun of a wife. <laughs> Whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Here's the uh, here's the swimming with bow-legged women. <laughs> oh yeah, um, wasn't that the line? It's that like is. That is. Yeah. It um, is. I gotta remember that next time I'm cheersing somebody. Uh, they have very three very strong characters in the movie. Everybody else is kind of like off to the wayside. You don't really know much about anybody else. But in do the right thing, there's everyone on the cast is just it just feels so like raw and real because <laughs> it gets pretty real. And, um, you know, in uh, Do the Right Thing, we're focused on the story of uh, Sal's pizza, Sal's famous pizzeria. Pizzeria. Uh, pizzeria. Excuse me. Pizzeria. Um, uh, Sal and his two sons, Vito and Pino. <laughs> um, and I thought that was great. Why would, why would you do that to yourself? 
<laughs> and then you have uh, Mookie. Uh, so, you know, you got three Italian-Americans. And then you have Mookie, African-American, who is the delivery boy who just walks orders on the block to places. And it's one summer day, hot as fuck. And uh, things get to the boiling point where people are having issues with Sal's. And there's so many layers of stories that are happening in this movie. It's kind of hard to explain. But basically, it's about race and just like treating people as with respect and human beings. It was just basically a focal point to be like, this is what's happening in the black community. This is what we see every single day. And uh, we're just going to. I just loved that it was just like a viewpoint of so many different aspects of black culture. And then also it's very like inclusive. There's all, everybody's like represented in this movie. And uh, there's the main plot is Mookie and other people are kind of fed up with Sal and the way that things are going with the pizzeria. They want (laughs) bugging out has an issue with there being no black people on the wall of fame. It's all Italian-American styles. And he is saying, this is my joint. I do what I want. You have Radio Raheem walking around. You have, it's there's, you know, the issue with gentrification. There's the issue with police brutality, race relations. There's a lot. Um, but mainly you're following Mookie, delivery boy, bad at his job just takes his time, doesn't give a fuck, and you kind of can't be mad at him. Uh, he's uh, employed by a sweet man who also is racist, and uh, uh, his son is super racist, and uh, it all boils down to uh, some tension. Shop gets burned down. Radio Rahim gets murdered, and uh, there really is no resolution because there is none. It just ends. <laughs> it's just over, <laughs> and yeah, uh, how I did liked, you guys feel about the do the right thing? I, I liked, uh, I, and I don't know if we've mentioned this up, up top, and, and maybe you did, Leonard. So I, I, I just want to make sure, in case we haven't, um, most people know this oh, yeah. movie, obviously, but this is a Spike Lee Spike joint. joint. Spike Lee plays Mookie. Um, I've seen other Spike Lee movies, but uh, I've not. I don't remember. Like, I mean, maybe he's cameoed in them, but like, it, it doesn't. Spike Lee's not in all of his movies. He's not like the Woody Allen type character who directs, writes, and then also stars. So this felt like yeah, a, certainly not a lead. Yeah, yeah. his first so like is, two movies, I think he starred in. Okay, he, is he? Yeah, she's got to have it or whatever. Yeah, she's anyway, have it. Yep. Uh, so S- Spike Lee plays Mookie, uh, who, as you say, Leonard, is sort of an aimless, directionless delivery boy. He's just trying to make his money. He's he's got a a, a girlfriend and a, and a and a baby that he doesn't see a lot, but it's just because he's kind of always hustling. Um, but like this movie's a who's who of like notable New York actors. So like Sal is played by Danny Aiello, who's like a you know kind of a character actor, but I feel like anyone who saw him would kind of recognize him especially in like the 80s and 90s uh italian american actors his son the racist one i don't remember now if it's uh pino or Vito. i think it's Vito. it's Vito, i believe uh is played by john tuturo who is a, a great actor uh most well known for playing the butler obsessed with feet in the adam sandler movie mr deeds <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to say that one, and you did. I was trying to pick, like, he's done so many. He's worked with the Coen brothers a bunch of times, but no, he's the feet butler. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, he's very sneaky. Sir. Rosie Perez. This is Rosie oh. Perez's first movie. She kills it in the opening title dance uh, sequence, and then just like before the movie so even good. starts. But then she also plays uh, uh, Mookie's significant other. And then um, I'm definitely leaving people out. There's one specific person I'm leaving out intentionally. Leonard was Samuel L. Jackson in this movie. Oh, I know we finally got to Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> And it doesn't matter, but yes, doesn't Samuel matter, L. Jackson but yes, is Samuel, a young Samuel L. Jackson, a young Free Martin Lawrence is in this movie. Yo, Martin Lawrence is in this movie. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we didn't even bugging out is Gian, Giancarlo Esposito. What? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. Dude, I saw his name in the credits, and I really mostly know him from Breaking Bad. I've seen him in other things since. Um, I know he's he's a character actor. He's been in a dozen things. Uh, I didn't. We, I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, "Oh, he's in this movie." And then I totally forgot about that. He's bugging out. I gotta yeah. go back and look. And at then that. we have another Roger Smith sighting, which uh, I was like, "He's in all the black movies." And you're like, "I've never heard of this dude." Uh, who was in uh, all about the Benjamins? Is uh, he's uh, Smiley? <clears throat> okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, also, you know, Robin Harris, the great stand-up comedian. Uh, who I feel like I resonated the most with in this movie. Uh, there's Frankie Robinson. There's so many great actors and actresses in this movie. It's pretty amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you said yeah, it. it's a hugely talented, like wide scope of a cast. It's very like in everyone in it. You're just like, oh, wow. Well, this is why this movie is and, this movie. It's just, it's And huge. I was thinking to myself, it was like, <laughs> would these people have like, is it that, I don't know if Spike had anything to do with the casting or knew any of these people personally through like personal relationships or if it was because this is like a pretty big this is like a this wasn't like just a his own thing. Like I think this was done by a studio and he had enough clout by then that maybe they just were able to cast all these young and upcoming actors and actresses. But like would these people have been these people if they weren't do the right thing or like. Like, what's the correlation between the two? Like, is it that they were all in this, or he just did a good job at finding all these super talented people? I wonder. Yeah, it's correlation or causation. I, I don't know. I mean, I think you can definitely argue that when you're in good shit, it helps your career because people see you and people kind of get to know you. It, I, I've not seen John Turturro be this mean. Like, it, you know, that was like an interesting yeah. part because I think of him not only as the butler, but like... In Oh Brother, Where Art oh, Thou, he's playing kind of a bumbling, sort of a silly character who is ultimately harmless. Like, he plays a guy who drops a lot of N-words and is just like a mean son of a bitch in this movie. So that was an interesting shade to his, uh, his repertoire. Yeah, he's also how, a character actor. how that had to feel when he got that script, especially the whole, like, montage of, like, just hate speech and spewing yes. stuff. Oof, man. And I was, <laughs> I was just like, fuck. That's such a cool-ass fucking scene. The way, the way he wrote this script, it almost kind of feels like a play maybe, but, like, just the cuts and just, like, the way he tells the story was obviously had to be like super unique and groundbreaking time and still is to this day. But like that scene, I feel like would kind of be like, Oh, like, but the way it ends, like the way the scene going into it and then Samuel L just being like, yo, what the fuck are we doing here? And cool. (laughs) (laughs) Not to uh, like me having seen it once three hours ago, trying to explain what is at the core of, uh, of Do the Right Thing, which, as you mentioned, is an incredibly complex movie. And I think that's why, in a weird way, it's good that we're talking about this with Jaws, which is a purely surface-level pleasure. It doesn't make it wrong, but, I mean, that movie is not 
talking about deeper meanings. The shark does not represent anything. <laughs> the shark is the shark. Um, but in this movie, I mean, you know, you've got an, uh, the, the character who stutters. I, I'm trying to remember his. Roger Smith. Roger Smith is his name or the actor? The, the actor is Smiley. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Roger Smiley Smith's character. Ki- yeah, Smiley, Smiley, sorry. Yeah, Smiley. Um, he's, uh, he starts the movie very early in the movie. You see him talking about uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and he's got a picture of him that he's selling. I guess he's sort of mocking up with his marker and kind of selling. Um, and that seems to be the two poles uh, that the movie is bouncing between. And I don't think the movie picks a side. Maybe, maybe you disagree. I, I don't know, but it ends with a quote from both, which are kind of contrasting. And it feels like the movie is kind of communicating. That's where Mookie and a lot of those characters live somewhere yeah. in the middle of those two. I don't ideologies. know why I didn't leave with that. Yeah. It's for sure. Kind of like, I feel like maybe the overall theme is polarity, you know, but like every time there was like a very, anything was brought up and there was like a very like strong viewpoint there was also someone else giving the other viewpoint or an argument and sometimes they would get angry and sometimes they would accept it. But that's what I loved that like in every aspect or like moment in the movie, there was someone else who was giving their perspective from the other side and it was kind of dope. And I love that moment at the end. Yeah, it's done. Oh, I'm, it's done really well that they, the, the way he, he plays it, like, as you're saying in between those two ideologies, especially, you know, like, the horror of the end of the movie, you see Radio Raheem lose his life at the hands of the police. And then the horror of the of Sal watching his business burn down. And they really get the cameras in there and they show all his, you know, idols, his Italian American idols like burning and his face and like it's it really like picks every angle to really look at and something and I it's really kind of wild that. too because you really feel for Sal like you're like damn like yeah. everything 25 years of his life that he built just burned down and it also was kind of like I felt like another meaning was like all right well Mookie throwing the trash can and just be like fuck it I'm gonna burn this system down and we're gonna try to just cleanse ourselves of this I don't know how Mookie doesn't get arrested. Maybe well, Sal doesn't. <laughs> can we talk about that? Because that's yeah. a good. I'm curious a little bit, and I think it's probably maybe open for interpretation. How did you read that scene? Because I, so I had not seen this movie, but it's such a kind of a pop cultural. It's a significant movie, and so I knew that it was about like the hottest day of the year in Brooklyn, and tension breaks out, and they burn this guy's pizza pizzeria that's like i know that's a very surface level understanding but that's what i knew about the movie and i knew that um just from like references in pop culture or whatever that uh that it was the mookie character spike lee who throws the trash can and so when i kind of had just heard about it i thought that it was like he'd had enough he was fed up and but but watching it and maybe i'm totally off base on this i've only seen the movie once and i am white um but i (laughs) uh but i i almost read it as so Radio Rahim, by this point, has been murdered by the police. He's been taken away. What is left are uh, some very angry mob mob. looking at Sal and his two knucklehead sons right by the pizzeria, and shit's about to go off. In fact, I think Sal even says, do what you got to do or something like that. He says something to that effect. I I know. So then then Mookie comes across the street. He takes a garbage can, and he throws it through the window. In a weird way, I thought that was like a mercy to Sal to like – I don't like Sal either, whatever, but I'm not trying to see this guy get killed either for what it would mean for Sal or for what it would mean for the community. And that spurs on them burning down the place, burning down the Italian American wall of fame that's in the pizzeria. But I, 
when I just heard about the movie and hadn't seen it, I thought it was like anger boiling over, which it is, but I think it's also, it's more than that. And no, so it, I don't know how you it, guys read no, it. No, no, it 100% is more than that. He literally is saving Sal's life. He's saving that entire family's life, but he's also saving the lives of the people on the block. They like Who would like, have become killers. Yeah, yeah like Mister the, the mayor said earlier in the movie, I mean, he was just, what I love about the mayor, he was like all about positivity it, and... People saw him in this negative light. He's like, what have I ever done wrong to you? And he was the voice of reason trying to be like, y'all are about to do something that you're going to regret for the rest of your lives. And Mookie, instead of just like walking away and just like letting it happen and not caring, was like, all right, I got to make a decision. I'm just going to throw this fucking trash can through this thing and let the mob go at this instead of Sal. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's I think he's saving his business in the long run too. I mean, if Sal wants to like he's even saying, you know, after they're talking, he's throwing the money at him. He's like, You're gonna get the insurance money, you know, anyways and and I feel like, you know, Sal genuinely appreciates being a part of the neighborhood as he was as he stated, like to his idiot son when they're talking over dinner. And he's like, I'm proud of, you know, these kids grew up eating my food, like I'm proud of that. You know, I feel like Mookie's trying to give him a shot at getting it back. Yeah, I think Spike Lee sometimes gets it to and this is a also just restating for the record, I'm white. But I think Spike Lee sometimes gets a reputation un, unfairly uh, of being like less nuanced than he is. Like I think you know, Spike Lee is a lot for his generation of filmmakers. Spike Lee was kind of like the only black voice making strictly black movies that had like a a wider appeal. You know, not to say that he was the only black filmmaker working, obviously, but it's obvious in his work he's dealing with issues of race and stuff and. I think a lot of people, maybe it's, just, maybe it's just a lot of white people, actually, who sort of just think of like, oh, these are movies about how white people are bad and black people are oppressed or whatever. And it's like, you got to look at it deeper than that. And, and I think this is, to a lot of people, his quintessential movie. But, I mean, it's a very – there's no easy answers in this movie. And if you they don't watch kill this the shark movie, though, at the end. all you have to do is watch this movie and know that that's not – like, everyone in this movie is flawed. Extremely flawed. No one's – the only – the two – I mean, the people who I feel like – you like the most and are the least flawed is uh, Mookie's little sister. Yep. And uh, love daddy. And uh, maybe Mookie's girlfriend, maybe her biggest flaw is like being in love with Mookie. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, we didn't even talk about, there's just so much going on in this movie. The three dudes sitting on the side of the road. So good. Robin Harris. They're so good. It might be my favorite part of the uh, of the movie. Um, Robin Harris uh, um, and uh, Frankie uh, Faison. Man, yep. talk about ahead of its time with the fucking ice caps. He was like, the ice caps are gonna melt and flood the whole world. I was every that stuck out to me so much. So crazy. I love how he's like, when's that gonna happen? Yeah, <laughs> and then there was somebody who's like, you're so fucking when's, dumb. When's that gonna happen? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then there's like the skeptical, like Senator Gordon's like, you don't even have money for a boat. Like, yeah, you might know about it, but you ain't going to do shit about it. Like, I'm just like, damn, man, this is so fucking good. And then it's like, you're like, oh, I like this character. And then you're like, oh, wait a second. This character is racist. <laughs> it's like, well, that's, yeah, that's the other thing is like, it's not strictly white, black relations. I mean, they, there is time. Everyone they're, is they're not main updated. characters, but there's time given to the uh, like. Latin community in the area and there's also time for the I think they're Korean shop Korean owners family, and you yeah. see a lot of the characters that we would otherwise have sympathy for Rahim like you see him go in and just be very racist to the proprietors of the uh, 
the the bodega when he's trying to get the d batteries and yeah. um you know and finally my white ass can understand that kanye line yes i also oh man this is so <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i also finally clicked that like bulb. and but like and it's also like you can't necessarily be mad at the character because everyone there is just like so mean they like he talks about the the little soliloquy about love and hate and it's like Damn, man, like hate is out here winning, man. People are just like angry with each other for literally no reason. And that's another big part of the movie, which it is just- also attention is always paid and it's off. You're constantly reminded. And I think, uh, Jeremy, you've only been to New York City once. I was with you. Um, I was holding your, I was holding your hand the whole <laughs> way. Um, <laughs> well, I was and, uh, it was we went in like July and it was hot as balls and um, it gets hot out yeah. here in L.A. But the thing about L.A. is it's actually usually a nice dry heat. But New York heat, uh, really the East Coast. I mean, it, but like it can get sticky hot. It can get suffocating. You feel like you're just breathing in hot air in a way that doesn't typically happen out here. And I think the movies pay special attention to be like all of these characters, you know, like Vito, uh, the son may feel this way often and stuff, but this is all coming to a head today because it's also just fucking hot. And we're all at our worst when we're hot. And so if you just maybe have a short temper, it's going to be worse. If you're maybe a little bit racist when it's hot, maybe you're a lot racist. Like it, 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 it makes all of your worst <laughs> tendencies kind of come out. Yeah. I feel like that is a, an interesting comparison between the two movies is this like the summer aspect, which kudos to you guys for thinking, <laughs> but the, the summer aspect in both movies is like really driving so much of the yeah. plot, like in Jaws, you know, it's so financially important to this Island community and it's coming up and these attacks couldn't have had having a worse time. And they're literally risking their life to make, cause if you bread. yell Barracuda, Jeremy, on the- <laughs> nobody does anything. <laughs> But if you yell shark, we've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. If someone yelled barracuda, I would get the fuck out of the water. I would, I would think they're singing. Barracuda. I'd be so scared. Right with them. I think they're singing the song. Ooh, barracuda. They're singing heart. Okay, so we talked about both these movies. What was your feelings on these movies, Jeremy? And just to say, you're not yet picking. We're going to go through a couple more, but just general feelings without betraying the results if you've made it. And and what would you have, uh, what were you thinking is like maybe what we would have chosen? Yeah, if you had any picks, that is good. Yeah. If I had. If you were submitting a movie and we all were doing this podcast where we all had to watch three movies, (laughs) God forbid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well. Yeah, Leonard, you mentioned you didn't go to camp or anything. My summers were always like very camp like summer camp heavy. And so, yeah, immediately it was like very hard for me to ignore the wet, hot American summer shaped (laughs) elephant in the room. So I probably would have gone for that. Um, Although it's like, you know, if I was adding this to the mix, like I don't think wet hot would hold a candle to these two movies. Cause I do think they are so like influential and, um, and, you know, nuanced and, and stylized um, in such unique ways. It's like, even, you know, this is Spielberg starting to, you know, dunk on the game (laughs) with his directing and, you know, the iconic shot of, you know, zooming into his face on the beach. And, and then Spike Lee, like I did not realize he starred in his movies because I I didn't, (laughs) I haven't seen them. Uh, But he, I mean, 
all the like, you know, like that scene, all the really racist tirade scene when they're just going in and how, how like straight on to camera that is. The love hate soliloquy is amazing. The intro Rosie Perez dancing is incredible. And I was thinking when I was watching it, I love when people dance in movies so much. And I especially love when it's so committed. Like Rosie Perez is so like stone faced and just like dancing the shit out of fight the power. And I, I was thinking like, man, I haven't seen a movie in a long time, especially like nowadays where there's a scene where someone is just like dancing the hell out of a song. And I've missed that. <laughs> I, my thought process is Silver Linings Playbook's probably the last one that I can. Oh, yeah. That, I don't that's think they're scene. dancing to fight the power in Silver Linings Playbook, but they should have been. <laughs> sort, of a, sort of a different vibe. What did they dance to at the end of Silver Linings Playbook? Uh, Doesn't matter. I can't uh, remember. Paul yeah. Simon. I don't know. Well, uh, let's uh, go into these talking points. Yeah, so we, uh, every as we do every week, we're going to, you know, just to help better frame our argument, we're going to break these down into five talking points. The fifth will be, Jeremy, where you make your final decision. But just to, you know, the, we're not really trying to score points, but maybe it supports our arguments. We talk as we go through. Uh, the first category, as always, Leonard, is pop, pop culture. culture. I'm sorry. I threw that to you when I realized I didn't. That was not a clear handoff at all. I just threw the ball <laughs> on this thing. <laughs> Leonard. Uh, <laughs> is pop culture. Pop culture. Wow. Talk about two heavyweights. This is a heavyweight matchup right here. Um, it's a, Are you white or are you black? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is why we did this podcast. Um, I mean, fuck. Jaws, man. Literally created a genre of movies. We can't the talk about Jaws. Summer block. Can't talk about Jaws also, and I, I, pop culture is the place to bring this. We haven't mentioned the great John Williams. I mean, oh yeah, never has he done more by doing less. It's just too. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole fucking thing, and it is one of the most iconic scores ever. I mean, it's like. Yeah, completely slapped. The fin rising out of the water, all of it, just visually. I mean, I, I, <laughs> the, the, the poster, which I guess in fairness, I think the poster is maybe cribbed from the book jacket, but like this Jaws, is, of course, was based on a book, but uh, it's known for the movie. I mean, it, there's so much. We, we're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, smile, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I look forward to hearing your arguments for, and I, I acknowledge also that I am not our, you know, uh, but I, I feel like there is a pop culture imprint from Do the Right Thing. I, I, I think it's got an uphill battle to match Jaws. But what do you think, Lenny? I mean, I, I mean, I think it's right up there with Jaws mm-hmm. personally. Uh, you know, just <laughs> the fact that it started so many people's careers. You were introduced to so many like heavyweight actors there's the radio rahim just the radio rahim and the love hate like uh thing uh fist oh you didn't see it because it's in his like room but rod has a huge painting like a seven foot across of the radio rahim knuckles up uh that i mean fight the power the whole just like spike lee as a person it kind of like is his own genre of pop when culture. When you think Spike Lee, you think do the right thing. I mean, you yes. think about a lot of things, but I think you think do the right thing. You think about Jordans, you think about 90s and 80s hip-hop, you think about I mean, 
Just that conversation <laughs> as a baseball fan, that conversation they have, it's a very oh. short scene, but where they're talking about Clemens, I knew you were bring it up. Clemens I versus bring it up. uh Doc Gooden. I, I just love that stuff. Like yeah, that I mean that was that's not like larger pop culture from the movie, but I, I, that was just a little moment that I, I really appreciated. I just and, and what I mean, I think maybe in my mindset, it's not even pop culture. It's just like culturally, it was a, a, a heavyweight. For sure. Think about people in 1989 watching this movie. <laughs> like some white dude in New York watching this movie and was like, hmm, maybe I... Jeremy and I watching this movie would be <laughs> equivalent of the Larry Bird guy who scuffs uh, bugging out sneakers. Yeah, and then scuffing on Jordans. Moving his bike up. And then the best part of that scene was when he's like, I was born in Brooklyn. And everyone's like, oh. oh yeah, man. It was just like it's shedding so a lot of light on things that people didn't realize that was going on. So maybe more culturally than pop culturally. But... I mean, that's shit, fair. Man. That's fair. Do the right thing gets referenced. It's been referenced in 250 million hip hop songs. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's so many like sketches and things you probably don't realize that is influenced. No, de- I, I don't mean to take down its influence. I didn't mean when I said it had an uphill battle. I didn't mean it couldn't get there. I guess I just mean the enormity of Jaws. But I think you're absolutely right. And I also, like, I, I don't think this movie was the first to do it. But like when. Um, Bugging out tells Mookie's like stay black. Like I just thought like that's become I don't know, you know. It's like is that said today very often because of that movie or did the movie just sort yeah. of like package that out? Yeah, there, you he, know, he just put culture into a medium for people to take in, and then more people were able to access it, and it became pop culture, which mm-hmm. happens with all black media basically. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, pizza pop culturally very significant. I think nothing like a New York slice. <laughs> Can I just, like, some of the Sal's pizza look kind of bad. <laughs> I feel like you can, you know, the one where he was given, I think it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was bugging out when he was telling him about the Wall of Fame. He gives him, like, a pizza. That that cheese looked kind of gnarly. I, I don't think Sal's <laughs> is giving you the best slice. I think he's. Uh, yeah, it looked like it had yeah, no sauce yeah, on it, too. Yeah. It's like, you asked for extra cheese. That's $2. <laughs> which I thought was crazy because <laughs> there was no yeah, sauce. Yeah, was slipping on that part. Uh, <laughs> looked like Play-Doh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I I I I feel like neither one of us wants to give the the yeah, We don't have that, to declare a winner of yeah, it. I think for very different reasons these are two very significant films in pop culture. Well, maybe you know what? Maybe we can agree on this. Pop pop culture goes to Jaws, but overall culture goes to to do the right for thing. Sure. Is that for is sure. that fair? We yeah, can take yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um second is how well do these hold up? And I feel like both of these hold up pretty fucking well, man. Like, yeah. Just uh, everything about Jaws, the the the, the directions, those shots, the the writing still holds up. It just was good all around. Yeah, I mean, it's like even the '70s styles and stuff. Because probably because it's like families on a small island. It's not like they were, you know. Uh, we'll talk about do the well. We can talk about them both at the same time. But like, do the right thing. I think in a kind of a great way is very dated late 80s just from the colors and what everyone's wearing from and, the opening and, and of the fashion. movie yeah like... i mean it's it people do not still dress i mean maybe you know the they kind of do now. 80s renaissance throwback but like yeah it's very of its time whereas jaws yeah. i don't think you know it's not it's it was filmed in 1975 but not everyone has bell bottoms and shaggy hair in a way that you look at it now and you're like <laughs> you know it's yeah. pretty standard you got that Nice Richard Dreyfus uh, Canadian yeah, tuxedo that he that he like essentially just wears to go digging in the belly of a shark. I don't think there was any cultural reference point for what a shark uh, scientist. I forget what his title was, but like uh, 
a marine biologist, whatever he was. Um, so they're like, yeah, he dresses like, uh, you know, he's got long curly hair and he wears a Canadian tuxedo. That's how those people look. <laughs> In a red knit yeah. tie. <laughs> uh, I feel like with, you know, do the right thing, that shit holds up. Like we said earlier, it, 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 uh, I don't know if that we were recording then, but it, that movie could have came out right now, last summer. It could have came out in any time. It's, I think it, a lot of people were talking about happening. it last summer, too, for good reason. You know, I mean, uh, with everything, uh, the protests following uh, George Floyd's George murder. Floyd, I mean, I think Breonna Taylor. it was, like we said, it's always been relevant, but it was specifically very relevant last summer. Yeah, um... I I feel like both of these I don't think there's really anything you can go at for either one of these movies. I guess I'm not trying to cuz ultimately these we'll see what bearing go at it, man. these have do on it. the final decision. Well, no, I'm I'm about to talk about my own movie, but uh. the the shark. I guess you could say the the shark, <laughs> but I will say this, it holds up so famously the shark in jaws never worked. It was they had an entire mechanical shark <laughs> built that they could in some way operate underwater. So a lot of those scenes it was supposed the shark was supposed to be featured front and center and then they built it kind of like a famous fuck up they built it and tested it in clear water or you know non salt water lake water whatever it was and then they put it in salt water and the machinery started fucking up um and it's like that's that doesn't work for fish there are shark salt water fish and clear water fish. you can't just do it with a mechanical shark and then be surprised when it doesn't work you guys fucked up so if you'd have just followed the laws of nature, <laughs> yeah, that like, would have led to the right even, place. Real fish can't make that transition. Um, <laughs> so they famously had to uh, make do. So a lot of those scenes where you just see the fin and you just hear the music, it wasn't by design. It was kind of out of necessity. They had to, and it works so much it, better. Yeah, it it's worked like, out perfectly. It it's like Steven Spielberg is really a great helps. director when you give him $150 million to make a movie. But he might be one of the best directors of all time if you tie one hand behind his back. Because then he has to get creative. Like, it, it works so much better. And then in the moments when you do see the shark, I think about, obviously, there's the famous scene where uh, Roy Schauder, uh is throwing chum into the water and the shark kind of pops up. But um, I think about that overhead shot when the boy, uh, the man in the boat, remember when... Uh, his his son is in the water. He's trying to get him out of like the bay or and stuff. And there's that overhead shot of the shark underwater as he's about to kill that man, as he's about to eat that man. And then they cut back and you see him fall under. That like skeeves the shit out of me. Like I think about that a lot yeah. when I'm in the ocean. And then like it's time to go in. Um, and so, but they use those. They have to use those moments sparingly because the shark was so often not ready. So I think in a strange way, it holds up. Because the shark at the time didn't hold up. And shark movies since, and there have been a lot of them, have had have solved for that issue. And they're not better. And weirdly, less shark is more in this case. And uh, I just figure that's... I don't know where else to mention that. How does it hold up seems like the right place. Yeah. that the When the dead body floats out of the yeah. ship... Yeah. It scares me every time, and I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Oh my god, it gets me every time. Yeah, that I, I there are a couple of times I'm like, oh shit, like it for sure when he was dumping that chum and that fucking shark came up out of the water, like it, it was like so slow but yet so jarring. I also <laughs> like. I also love that reaction shot then because yeah, you see the shark and then there's that great and I'm gonna do it, but no, this is a uh, an audio medium as we've gone over so no one else will see it but there's that great shot where Roy Scheider's head like pops into frame he just like 
and he just he like finds the the and it's like yes like that's it's a great like reaction shot um um one thing i forgot to say earlier which i also loved was when they're like the boat's like super fucked up and it's like looking real grim uh like it's like that next morning uh quint puts on his army uh you see he puts on his army uh jacket or his army uniform and i was like yeah he's ready to die yeah like yeah, he <laughs> he's ready out. to die where's notorious big <laughs> he's ready to die <laughs> um well, number three if this was season one i would have dunked all over fucking queen you would have had it uh no samuel jackson no uh gary oldman but was steve buscemi in either one of these films He's not in he Jaws. <laughs> and he's not in Do the Right Thing. <laughs> I'm we kind of are, surprised this, he's not in Do the Right Thing because, like, late 80s was when Steve – and he was a very popular character actor in New York at the time. I'm kind of surprised he didn't play a racist in this movie. I Honestly, I'm kind of surprised he didn't play uh, the uh, the Brownstone guy, which is John Savage, who we didn't even say either. Um, but uh, I feel like he either has – he has to be the Boston – uh, brownstone guy i feel like i got i got another comfort so jeremy if you're confused this is uh we've we've yeah i'm sorry yeah what is this third category so our first season of this this show we we would give each other like bonus points or if we needed to tip the scales in some way if samuel l jackson was in a of our movies because samuel jackson is in every movie especially in the late 80s 90s and today um he wasn't in any of the movies we picked. And then we had to make a category just to justify the category of best Samuel L. Jackson movie. Uh, that's a long time ago. We've since updated it. And now this season we are asking, was Steve Buscemi, another popular character actor who's in everything, in any of our movies? And Leonard, if I'm not mistaken, he's not been in any of our movies. It's the yeah, kiss of death that. asking if this guy's in our movies. Yeah, season two was Gary Oldman, and we didn't yep. have Gary Oldman in any of our movies. Nope. <laughs> Uh, but now you have Samuel L. Jackson in a movie. doesn't count for anything. But Steve Buscemi, I, I've got a different comp for you. I, who would he be in Jaws? I don't know. He was probably like 20 when that movie came out. So I, you just maybe have him get eaten. Maybe he's the guy in the boat that gets eaten. Um, yeah. You know, the guy in the dinghy. I feel like he would be, I feel like he would be the other cop. Oh, okay. That's like the partner of, uh, of uh, okay. the lead dude. He's like, well, who else is gonna help? But he's like, it's for now. It's just you, <laughs> you know, yeah. The, oh, like the deputy or whatever he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah the other I, deputy. I like the guy, idea of yeah. him. I want to give Steve Buscemi. It's a different character, but the guy's like, I'm not gonna open this shark and have the little Kintner boy slide out for the whole press to see. <laughs> Steve Buscemi deliver that line, maybe. Um, in uh, oh, can I just quickly say my two my two oh, favorite please. lines in Jaws? First one. First one is when they have hung up the shark that they think is Jaws and all the guys are like coming around and looking at it. And, you know, uh, uh, Dreyfus is Richard Dreyfus is like walking around, like being all skeptical with a pencil. And the guy, one of the guys is like, what kind of shark is it? What kind of shark is it? And then Richard Dreyfus goes, it's a tiger shark. And then it cuts back to that guy and he goes, wow. <laughs> <laughs> laugh so hard. <laughs> that line's incredible. I also love, um, uh, what's the lead guy's character's name? I can't, well, I don't know why I can't remember. Uh, uh, Brody. Yeah. Ch- Chief Brody. Uh, yeah. Bro- uh, Brody's chief Brody's wife. When she's trying to calm him down and make him stop reading shark books <laughs> <laughs> and have a drink, she hands him his drink and then she goes, you want to get drunk and fool around? <laughs> yes. yes. I also just so love that scene. I don't know if it's like, but that scene where he's at the dinner table and he's all depressed and he's like this and his little son is like four year old son is just mimicking his, uh, 
his expressions and like brings him out of his funk. That's such a great like storytelling through film. Like there's no lines, there's no whatever. It's just a really great. Uh, yeah, that's a great yeah. Spielberg thing to do his little little Loves whimsy with kids, moment. and then you're like, oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would uh, do the right thing. Sticking on the topic of Steve Buscemi, I want him to be a Pino. That's who I think he could have been. Because I don't think I can buy him as a virulent racist, but I can buy him yeah. as like my brother's a racist and he bullies me. That seems more. That seems more Steve Buscemi's speed. Yeah, I feel you on that. I'm just in a yeah, yeah. That seems specifically is what seals it for me when he's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and well, now let's go to the fourth category, and that's stat. Stats, well, Jaws, I'll just start off on it unless you wanted to go first. Um, no, you got it. As I said, it invented the summer blockbuster. Get this, okay? Not, these are $1975. The, Jaws was made for $9 million. Uh, Steven Spielberg, again, he, this movie made Steven Spielberg Steven Spielberg. He'd done, I think, maybe a TV movie. I don't know if this was his first feature or his second, but this was what put him on the map. So he made this movie for $9 million. Everyone thought it was going to be a flop. It was over budget. It was... It was behind schedule. This movie worldwide, and maybe this is factoring in re-releases, made $472 million. That's off $9 million budget. So this movie made like, I can't even do the math of what multiply, multiply that budget how many times where you get to 472. I mean, that's a huge hit, which is obvious because we've all known about this movie that was made before any of us were born as a, a, a sacred text movie. I mean, it was, like I said, the original blockbuster. It kind of created the game of, like, big tentpole releases that everyone gets excited for and you go to see during the summer. It, enough said. But um, do you want to do how much Do the Right Thing made or should I find the Rotten Tomatoes, too? Because it's going to be, like, 100. Like, I don't... <laughs> Let me see. I think it's ninety eight percent, but go yeah. ahead. And, uh... no, I mean, it's yeah. It's is it even if it's even more? If it's in like the IMDb top two fifty movies. It's got a oh my computer's loading. It's got a ninety eight percent. Um yeah, I'll do the uh, do the right thing. Um, it was a six million dollar budget, and it made a thirty seven point three million. It made thirty seven point three million. Uh, that's a pretty good takeaway, I feel like, especially yep. for what type of movie it was. It's a ninety-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, an eight out of ten on IMDb. I think it was also just for like, I think this movie also premiered at Cannes. Like, obviously, this Do the Right Thing was not a summer blockbuster. It was not. It was released. You mentioned before, Leonard. Uh, Spike Lee had like a studio backing. It was released through Universal Pictures, but this was an indie, and it was released at Cannes. And then it was released later that summer. I think it actually came out in theaters in the U.S. in July. But, like, uh, these are obviously two very different movies. So we're not just, Jeremy, for your reference, we're not just matching total dollars versus total dollars here. Uh, They're two very different films, but both very successful in different ways. Uh, Here's uh, some uh, stats that sometimes we talk about, and I'm going to talk about awards. And in 1990, this was not nominated as a Best Picture it was nominated as Best Screenplay, didn't win. Uh, Driving Miss Davy, Miss Daisy won Best Picture in 1990, and the only actor to get a nomination was Danny Aiello. Danny Aiello, the white dude. Danny Aiello is also first bill, which I thought was kind of interesting. I guess at the time he's probably the biggest actor. He was it. the biggest actor. I mean, he that. was fucking amazing in it. He, yeah. I mean, I'm not mad at him getting that nomination. He was, he was great. No, he's a much more complex character than I expected him to be coming into the movie i think you totally hit it jeremy that scene where he's having like 
they're at, it's like a down period at the pizzeria and he's talking with Vito about like, pizzeria. why are you, why are you, yeah, pizzeria, I'm sorry. Um, he's talking with Vito. He's like, why are you angry all the time? <laughs> like, it's a very kind of interesting scene. You know, it's like he doesn't want it to be this way, I don't think. But at the same time, when Raheem comes into his shop and starts playing his radio, he's very quick with the slurs. Like, you know, it. I'm not. I, I'm not saying he's good he to say quick. that he's complex, but he's yeah. yeah. Like he was just fed up through the day. Like his sons are getting on his nerves. Mookie was getting on his nerves. The customers were getting on his nerves. I think we can admit Mookie is not a good employee. <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> no, and sure. I I always thought that Sal wanted to fuck his younger sister, but then Sal was like, "Don't even fucking act like that's what that is." I yeah, I wasn't and, clear on that either. That we didn't really yeah. land on that. It, it was like it was like because obviously. He's known this little girl since she was a little girl. He's seen her grow up. So, And because of the scene before where he's talking about feeling entrenched in the neighborhood. And it's, you know, and I believe him at the end of the movie where, where Mookie says to him, you're going to get the insurance. You know how it works. And he goes, it's not about the money. And I, I believe maybe it's just he's a good actor. I believe him in that moment when he says that line. And I didn't. I came away from that scene not entirely sure what it was, but I didn't think he was creeping on, yeah. on Mookie's from sister. Mookie's I thought he just enjoyed seeing her grow up and be like exactly. a nice young lady, which is a weird thing to say, but I, I don't think it was any more sinister than that. <laughs> but I think there are probably people who watched that and maybe thought it was, just how Mookie was. So it's right. just like, from what viewpoint are you seeing this? Uh, Which is a lot in this movie. Uh, I feel like there's a lot we missed in Do the Right Thing because there's just so much... There's so much going on. Uh, we're at the fifth and final criteria. Yeah, I think it's only fair, Leonard, that you let me go last. Uh, you know, sort of like when uh, it's game point in a game of ping pong. Okay, like sure. the, I, I get to serve every time until I. I know you did. Okay. I'm I'm asking for it again. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard, do the right thing and let me go last. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man, I don't have any argument. I didn't have any predetermined argument for this movie. I feel like the movie speaks for itself. But, I mean, come on, man. It's a hot fucking summer day in New York City on this block. We're seeing the inner workings of this community. The inner workings of the feelings of African Americans in the country on how they feel about so many things that people don't realize maybe that they have to deal with and the inner workings and you know it's a summer day nobody has school a lot of these people aren't working and they're just out in the heat and uh you know it, it kind of sucked living in the 90s there was nothing to do <laughs> you know they were just out there enjoying each other's friendship living in new york being racist uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is going on? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what argument to make for this as the best you, summer you movie. Think, thinking of a past life right now. There was now, nothing like to do in the 90s. Everyone was racist <laughs> and no one was in school. <laughs> I just feel like it, it felt real. It felt like a real New York summer day. It wasn't. There were, there were funny moments. There, I pretty much, I've seen this movie many times and I still like, it. I basically cry every time Radio Rahim gets murdered. And it's, I just think, I don't know, the reason why I think this is the best summer movie is because it fucking feels real. It's a real ass story, and not everybody has this quintessential great summer at the beach. And other people, they don't have time to maybe enjoy the summer, but 
these people are out here trying to make the best with what they have. And, uh, you know, they're living their life trying to survive. And uh, that's what I'm going to try to do this summer because I'm going to be fucking lit on seltzers and eating ass. So I'm just going to try to survive this summer. He pulled it out. You saved <laughs> <And> this final <laughs> argument. <laughs> and uh, that's it. That's Seltzers? You somehow the connected way. do the right thing to eating ass. I didn't know how you get there. <laughs> I couldn't draw the line, but I do appreciate it. I've, I'd i had no argument going into this, but it's okay. You really wanted to go last, and that was what you had to prepare you. Let no, I didn't want to go last. I was just busting your balls. <laughs> we have fun. Um, okay, so now time for my closing argument, which is, as you know, Leonard, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clear out clear out the space yeah. on this he's one. Looking, I, can t- I can see he's starting to read from his laptop. <clears throat> he's, he's foaming at the mouth. Webster's Dictionary defines summer as the season between oh spring God. and autumn, Jesus comprising Christ. in the northern hemisphere usually the months of June, July, and August, or as reckoned astronomically, extending from the June solstice to the September equinox. I just sign <laughs> off at the Zoom. And that's it. Mic drop. No. Uh, so when I picked Jaws, and I did pick Jaws first, and Leonard um, picked Do the Right Thing. I just wanted to, I felt like, to do the right thing. <laughs> I felt like someone was unexpectedly eating my ass, and I wasn't enjoying it. Because I was like, how the hell am I going to argue this fucking shark movie? <laughs> <laughs> against the movie which i hadn't seen but i knew was a kind of a a, a a very important kind of landmark watershed film uh in like race relations in america as depicted in movies i mean i don't think that's too too big to say and i i can't and i won't argue with it i mean i think it's a great movie and i think um though i would argue it's not the better pick it is a hundred percent a summer movie any movie that has a scene where you're un <laughs> You're unscrewing the fire hydrant, which you Leonard, how'd you not bring that up? So that the kids can play in it on the city streets. That's like one of yeah, I've never on. done that. I've never seen that. But that yeah, is in my mind such that. a summer thing. It's like, oh. I saw it. I saw it in the one weekend I spent in New York. I actually saw it <sighs> with my own eyeballs. And did you I, go jump I, in I that water, Jeremy? You fucked up. No, I should have. How many chances was, are gonna are it you was gonna so get? hot? Well, I blew it, and I'll never see it again. It was like a unicorn. <laughs> That's you know it's summer when fire hydrants are popping off. <laughs> you just, um, but I did get to see you argue with some guy about Derek Jeter, which I yes, thought that was, was amazing. We were walking through the city, and Jeremy again, he'd never been to New York, he didn't know what the experience was, so he thought it's like it's not all just I'm walking here moments, and yet almost as I said that, some guy just who I don't know just comes up to me and sees that I'm wearing a a Yankees T-shirt, and he goes. A, what is he say? he's like a rod and j-lo bet she wishes she was with jita and i was like okay thank you sir and then we continued walking in opposite directions <laughs> that's was my that new fast, york and i was like are um, you kidding me <laughs> no but i mean it's it's an uh it's an unusual summer film leonard i think if we took a blind poll of 100 people and asked them to list five or 10 or 20 summer movies um I think Jaws would be in like 50 of those people's lists. I, I Maybe that's high, but I don't think Do the Right Thing would show up in as many. But I don't think yeah, you're wrong sure. to pick it. I think you're absolutely right. It's like the hottest day of the year. It's summertime in Brooklyn and all the things that we've talked about. It is very much on point. I can't argue with Jaws being any deeper than it is. I guess what I'm looking back at the prompt, as I often try to do, we're not picking 
what we might think the better movie is or what the whatever it is. We're picking what more specifically picks the prompt. And Jaws doesn't just pick the prompt. I think Jaws defined the prompt. And that's why I broke our pre-1984 rule to pick it. It is the summer blockbuster to which every movie since is compared. And so it's it's about summer. It's summertime in Amity and there's a shark and everyone's at the beach and it's the 4th of July and all this stuff. But it's also like take step back from the movie. That's what summer movie going is. And I watch Halloween, the Michael uh, the John Carpenter movie Halloween every Halloween because it just makes me feel like Halloween. And I watch Jaws kind of every year too, I would say. I, you know, and I don't maybe not every single year, but when I watch it, it's the summertime and it's like getting ready to go to the beach and it's like getting in that mood. So I think Jaws works on both of those levels where I would say that do the right thing might only work on the one. And I think do the right thing is also like, yeah, you probably make sense if you watch that on a hot day. I think you could also watch that movie in December. Whereas I think if you watch Jaws in December, I don't know that it hits the same as when it's like, Oh, I'm going to the beach. I'm getting in the summer spirit. And I'll wrap it up there because I'm not going to come at this movie. I would say, do the right thing is probably more important. But in summer, we see popcorn flicks and we go to the movies and we want the experience and that's what Jaws is. And I think that's why Jaws is the better pick. But it's not up to me. Qu- I'm going to give a quick counter argument. Oh, shit. I, I didn't come for Jaws because Jaws is fucking back. amazing and it's a great summer movie. But I'm not going to take what Quinn just said at face value because he said he watches uh, Halloween every Halloween. But yet for the Halloween episode, he chose Hocus Pocus, uh, which means he's a liar. And we're done. I'm sorry. And you can. Uh, I didn't pick it because it's pre-1984. I didn't break the rule for that, but I broke uh, it for this. You're OK. All right. So all right. I counter then, your counter. All right. With my own counter. Uh, all right. So, Jeremy, before you uh, let us know who you believe, which movie is the better summer movie. Just give us your thought process, your your feelings, and uh, maybe what your parameters or criteria would be for the summer movie, and then you can give us your and try to crack an omelet. You know, I share some knowledge. With us, maybe solve the race relations thing in um in and do the right thing while you're at it. Yeah, <laughs> while just solve that. <laughs> Shed some yeah. light on it. We just That's why we had you on here. And <laughs> yeah, wow, this hot seat got <laughs> even hotter. Um, uh, no, I I um genuinely love both of these movies very much and i'm so happy that i did this podcast and leonard that you nominated um do the right thing because it was like a great excuse to finally get to it um and i was watching i mean i think in the middle of the movie i was just like god i'm having such a great time watching this movie and um it like genuinely when watching it this week i was like this is like i i have like feels in my heart watching this movie like you know good movies really deliver and i seriously think i would give both of these movies a flat out 10 i think they're both that fantastic and you know right when do the right thing ended i was like oh man i'm like for sure watching this movie again i thought it was so like all the performances are like absolutely incredible and um you know, the relevancy is just going to last forever. I mean, I just... Sadly, it's, well, probably. probably. <laughs> 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 well, it's hopefully not. But it's just an incredible, like, timeless uh, story, really. I mean, it's so good. And, um, you know, I have to... <laughs> you already know where this is going. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> I, <laughs> I think... I have to go okay. with yes! Thank God. Oh my God. I have oh. to do it because I do. I do totally agree 
with Quinn. If I if I'm thinking best summer movie, I cannot deny it's kind of like the summer movie. Like I, I really can't think of one that waves that flag better uh, than Jaws does. I thought you said, oh, my heart is beating you like that. I just saw the fin come out of the water. I thought he said that because he was gonna choose to do the right thing. I was like, oh shit, wait, is he about to choose to do the right thing? Oh my god. Look. <laughs> I gotta honor Quinn. He's desperate uh, as hell. He broke the glass in desperation is a stinky club, I, and you gotta hand it to him. Thank you, Jeremy. Your money is in the mail. Oh my god! Thank you. My Venmo is when, open, and whoa, we, look at that? when we texted about it, Leonard and I both had trouble with these picks because there's this was one of the ones was there's too many potentially right picks. And Jeremy, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off and keep going, but once I got that solution, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> but when we text about it, we were texting about it and I was like, I want to pick Jaws, but I feel like Jaws is, it's not, it's against the rule. It's what, you know, it's, we have an unofficial pre, no pre-1984 rule. And then Leonard's like, I want to pick do the right thing. And I was like, oh no. Like, it's like, I don't know how I'm going to beat. And then I was like, now I have to pick Jaws. Cause I think I'm not going to be able to go pound for pound with like significance, all the things that that movie is trying to say. So I have to go like, not dumb. Jaws is smart, well but it's not about anything. Yeah, it, yeah I, I got to go like yeah, hard on the movie. entertainment popcorn film movie, and I, that's what yeah. locked it in. So we both kind of weirdly like got locked into these picks, and I was like, "It's do or die for me. I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta take, I gotta hit every shot I make from here on out to, to try to fight back <laughs> into this thing." And so I do think it was that close. I do I felt think it, it really. I felt was. it was like, close. I did not feel hit every shot. I honestly, <laughs> I thought I was right, but I didn't feel confident. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't feel confident in my. I thought it, I, once I watched Jaws, I was like, I before I watched the movies, I was like, oh, I think Do the Right Thing is gonna win this. And then I watched Jaws, and I was like, damn, this movie is good as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it is so good, but it's okay. That's Quinn. <laughs> Quinn. Oh, I, I mean, so. You know, people who listen would know, but if if you're joining us for the first time, what a weird episode. But, um, like, (laughs) we do this best of nine. I got the first win of the season, feeling real good. Second episode, I drop. Third episode, I drop. Fourth episode, I drop. I'm thinking I have good picks on all of these. I did feel confident. Fifth episode, I drop. So now it's four to one, first to five wins. And I'm like, this is going to be... Not that I don't think anyone really listens for the season-long series, but it keeps us going, and it, 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 it definitely adds to the fire that Leonard and I have when arguing about these movies. So if only for that. But I was like, what's going to – if I lose in episode six, we got like three more of these yeah. to do. <laughs> like, what the hell am I going to – Yeah. You could have lost You could have lost right the whole there? season, which we – yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You were just like LeBron James poked in the eyeball yes. right there. You somehow hit that three-pointer. I was seeing three and movies, and I picked alive. the one in the middle. <laughs> Oh man! Well, you know what? I'm not. Uh, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. Uh, if it's gonna, if do the right thing is gonna lose, at least it loses to a classic. Yeah, exactly. And those movies are so different. It's not like Jaws did anything that do the right thing was trying to I do. I think better. I would have been mad Just, if it lost to like Wet Hot American Summer, though. I would have been. Mad. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Quinn, Quinn, if you would have picked Wet Hot American Summer, it would have been do the right thing all the way. Yeah, I know. That's why what I was thinking about do the uh, Wet Hot American Summer. And it's like, once Leonard said, do the right thing, I'm like, no, 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 no. What? I'm going to throw out a fucking David Wayne comedy to try to beat this movie. Fuck out of here. Uh, um, I feel, I feel wonderful. I feel like I, I don't feel like I just saw the fin out of the water. I feel like I just blew that fucking shark in the water into a million pieces. And that shark this week 
was Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> Smile, you uh, son of a bitch. Well, uh, hey, so uh, Jeremy, what's up with uh, where can the people find you? What's up with you? Where, where, where? Oh, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on the gram. At uh, Jeremy P. Olson is the handle. That's how I'm found on the internet. And that's it, man. I'd also, uh, I'll throw out a, a, so you are a guest on this podcast sometimes. Like you're a guest on this podcast. If you like Jeremy guesting on podcasts, check out uh, Jeremy's appearances on the Good Christian Fun podcast if you want to hear him talk more about uh, his evangelical life. Because uh, well, it's right. a good time. That's right. I started with that. So yeah, yeah, it's a great podcast. Um, Give it a but uh, yeah, just a very funny guy. Thank you so much for doing this podcast. Thank you doubly for picking my movie. Uh, we'll have to. Of course. You yeah, know. this was a blast. It was. This was a. Uh, it's a great way to kick off the yeah. summer for me. It was a heavy episode. We had two I'm heavyweights vi- and yeah. some heavy topics, but. <laughs> I think we saw. Truly so thankful it got like it, it got me to watch do the right thing. Like, oh my god, it's way too late to this fantastic. This movie. podcast is uh, exists in part for Leonard to like, because we were talking about like white movies for lack of you know for better or for worse are like everybody's movies because that's just how america works it's like this is what's popular and this is what's put in front of you but there's a lot of significant black movies that i just straight up didn't see like you know they weren't on the rotation at the sleepover parties i'm not making excuses i'm a 30 year old man but but it just was not involved so this podcast part of this podcast is a public service that leonard is performing to me which is where he gives me (laughs) movies that i should have seen years ago (laughs) And then I'm like, well, how does it rank against Avengers or something? <laughs> well, now I'm piggybacking off that. So yeah. thank you for hey, your service, hey, Leonard. I'm, I'm, you're welcome. And you know, honestly, this was one of those times where I I was very happy that Quinn chose this movie. And I didn't hate him for the movie he chose because this movie was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I take it back. It's not usually Avengers. It's like Leonard will pick some significant like Wayne's Brothers movie or something like that. And I'll be like, here's Homeward Bound. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the past is prologue. I'm only looking forward. I only need two more wins to draw even and then three to drive the stake through your heart. <laughs> we will see everybody next week. But until then, have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. If you go out to the beach, make sure you look for sharks or barracuda. And uh, until that time, we'll see you at the beach, Leonard. Yeah, put some extra cheese on that motherfucker.